Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. I have a story, unless anybody has something to talk about. Ooh, I like stories. Yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, we'll see where see where it goes. But I went on my day off earlier this week. I went deer hunting all day. It's bow season. And so it was awesome to be outside. Beautiful October day. Yeah, it was really great. And then so the evening hunt, my nephew Juicebox went out with me, which is really fun. And um, we saw maybe like an hour and a half before dark, we saw a couple couple big does out in the bean field in front of us, which was really fun because um, they're kind of it makes them a little bit tougher to to see in a in a bean field, which is interesting. But anyway, we got to watch them for like probably I don't know fifteen minutes or so, and they're just kind of feeding and like slowly working their way toward us. It's one of the most beautiful um, October hunts I've ever been on because like the sun was setting. I was watching these deer and coming in and, um, anyway, I got all set up. Like I had practiced with the bow and ended up had a, a 30 yard, sh- 35 yard shot on, uh, a nice doe and I missed and I, I, I still don't know what happened. Cause this, I mean, I had this bow like dead on shot was good. The only thing that may have happened is my cam like on the bow hit the side of the blind when it, when it shot. Um, so I'm trying to go back through it just to, um, yeah, figure it out for, for next time. But anyway, found the arrow. So I was glad it wasn't like a, you know, bad shot injury on a deer or anything like that. It was just a a clean miss, but so we got back in the blind. We didn't see anything else, but it's still a really fun hunt. But I was thinking, on that that's i guess my story in it but i was like man even just like five years ago just 10 years ago certainly that would have i never like i can't say i ever had like like a a, struggle with a really bad temper or anything like that but that would have just thrown me thrown me off terribly um, for, for probably days of, and I am like, I'm going back and thinking about it to try to improve of like what, what happened. Cause I don't like that. I missed at, at all, but I was like, man, I know this, this sounds maybe like basic, but I was like, man, Jesus is like, like actually following Jesus is like transformational, transformational in like real aspects of our lives, which has been so encouraging. And because it's like, that's just, I don't know. And, and, you know, I'm older too, which is, you could say like, well, it shouldn't be that big of a deal to, to miss a deer. But I'm saying, man, this is like a different experience that like, it just doesn't hit any level of identity, nothing like that. And it's like, no, like, you just missed and you can improve and think about it and then like move on, move forward. And so anyway, I was like, I, if you guys wanted to, I don't know if there's anything to unpack there, but it reminds me of when I did my, um, 
uh, retreat this past year during the stay at home stuff, I told I was we were just kind of like fleshing out some graces with the director on the retreat and everything. And I remember I had this like, yeah, just kind of effective movement and memory come back up where I was I had been at a friend's wedding and just had like, yeah, a really beautiful um, kind of holy hour, like after the wedding of like seeing some old friends who had a lot of like old stuff, memories, stuff like that um, come up. And the Lord just brought brought up a lot of stuff that I hadn't thought about in a long time and brought in some. It was just like knowing how to relate it to, to Jesus and all that. And anyway, long story short. Then I I played golf the next day. So this was like two years ago. This isn't the same as the deer story. But I was telling the director, I was like, it's funny because in light of those graces received in this prayer, I was like, man, that's honestly the best round of golf that I've ever played. Not And not saying like, oh, God just blesses us and it's like a wealth and health thing and like, look how awesome this is. But like the grace literally impacted me like physically in in my body of it was just different i don't know really how to describe it and i remember the director on the retreat was like i mean he honed in on that big time of like yes that like you are on to something there um so anyway i just i don't want to i i didn't want to share too many like details with that story but i was thinking if we didn't have anything to talk about this morning I don't know if that makes sense. I can I can share more in either aspect, but it was like, whoa, like somehow Jesus being real. It, it, again, super basic, but like the lived experience is just inc- it's awesome to be like, no, that impacts every aspect of our lives. And it actually does change us over the course of time. So I'm pumped about it. Like I said, I don't know if it'll make sense or if I need to to share more. But does that you guys tracking on that at all? I think so. Yeah, I'm I'm tracking. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Those are that's an awesome grace, dude. Yeah. So I, if I'm getting this right, you're basically saying like, with your rate of spiritual progress, it'd be insane. Think you wouldn't live to 250. <laughs> oh well, yeah. I mean, spiritual <laughs> progress plus just modern science, man. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Those two together. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, you know, it's, you know, one of the things I'm thinking of someday. <laughs> one of the things I'm thinking of is when I was on IPF. Uh, it, this was either the 30 day retreat or the 10 uh, week program, eight day retreat thing, but. They had uh, that nice rec center there at Creighton, and I would like lift and then just go shoot hoops pretty much every day while I was on retreat. And um, I would just like shoot shoot free throws for a while. And because you're so in the prayer mindset, like everything is a prayer. So I would I'd be praying before I shot each free throw, which kind of felt a little silly, but at the same time, kind of to your point about missing the the bow shot i would i was like very mindful of the fact that god was looking at me and that he loved me and that i sounds so corny dude but i felt it it didn't matter if i missed or made this shot Mm. you know and it was just like a small kind of insignificant um 
thing in my day where I could either succeed or fail that mattered. It wasn't that God didn't care about it or I didn't care about it. It just was like, here's something where it's really easy for me to imagine this is low stakes. It actually doesn't matter if I, if I win or lose, but it's still like worth doing. Um, and that God's love is unconditional. It doesn't, that doesn't change even though results in the world change depending on whether or not I, and, and actually it's funny you bring up the golf one because, uh, golf is one of those things where like probably missing a bow shot in your, in your previous years would be one of those things where it just kind of got in you, like wormed its way in your head and your heart. And you're like, ah, so frustrated at yourself for having missed it. Golf is so mental that like you, and it's so easy to be bad at it. And, you know, I would hit all these bad shots and then it would build on itself and I'd get really mad and I just want to quit. So maybe out of necessity, I don't remember when I started doing this, but I, I would do kind of like a, in my little waggle before I shoot, do like a little colloquy to the Trinity and Mary. And it's like super fast, but I won't like take my backswing until I do that. And a lot of times it kind of feels a little perfunctory, but when I am kind of like in a funk or I'm feeling like this round is not going well, or my heart is kind of like out of the out of the chair, so to speak, of communion, and I'm just like flying out in orbit, it does center me and remind me like, hey, it's a beautiful day. And golf is like four hours of leisure. So I don't really have anything to be upset about. And God loves me. Um, And I do think it affects my body. Like I think that it's not, I'm not using it as a means to an end. I'm not praying like, God, help me be a a totally awesome golfer. Because that, that matters. It's more just like, yeah, that anxiety or that tension um, of having to feel like it's perfectionism, basically, like my self-worth is based on my performance. When you let go of that because of Christ, actually, I think your performance gets better, although it's less important. Does that make sense? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, here, let me, let me, let me hop on top of that, but it's all aimed at asking you a question to kind of unpack a little bit of that, Rob. Um, I think I remember telling you guys about this when I went and played golf with a buddy and his dad, maybe two months ago, something like that, a month, month and a half. And it was a miserable round of golf. (laughs) Like, (laughs) man, it's so frustrating. I used to be, I used to play a ton of golf and that's one of those things. If you don't practice it, your body forgets the swing motion, the timing, the rhythm, your hands, like the, all these little subtle differences make a huge, can it impact the flight of the ball big time. And I was just off. And, and when I really got into golf, it was, you know, around college and I was you know, kind of growing into an adult and maturing. And so, like you said, Connor, I bet it wormed its way in there. And I just pooped like it's just terrible, terrible. And I, I couldn't even figure out how to hit the golf ball. And and I remember on the course with like my buddy over 78 or anything, did you or nothing? I mean, nothing that bad, right? No, no, okay. Rob, okay. no, 
Yeah. You Wait, know. are you talking about on? Are you talking about on the front nine or the back? Oh. Nine? <laughs> <laughs> Some, and this is turning into an old priest podcast. Yeah. Some golf jokes. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Sorry. So continue. then I start. So then I start scolding the people that I'm with that they need to go back to church. <laughs> yeah. And then I left. So that was it. I ended up it being was a grace. Win, win for the gospel that day. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus was very excited. Um, but I remember her on the course walking it and trying to like recognizing and I, you know, it, I was kind of upset. Like, Oh, why is this impacting me so much? Why do I care this intensely about this? And I need to just let this go. And I'm letting this kind of like, yeah, get me all out of, out of whack um, in a way that it, it shouldn't. Like it shouldn't have this power over me and at least kind of being able to identify it. But I was just trying to tell myself to not let it do that, which is different than what you're talking about because you're saying that it actually just didn't get to that level, which, which is different than saying, I know that it shouldn't be this way and like telling yourself to, um, reminding yourself of your authentic identity and who you really are um, and actually living from that place. Does that make sense? Like you're already fighting, like just, just the difference between, right. The difference between me saying, um, you know, doing the, doing the self-talk reminder, Mike, you're a son of the father. You're out on the golf course. This isn't a big deal. Uh, You haven't played golf in six years. So, this makes sense and like understanding all of that, but trying to tell yourself your authentic identity instead of like living from a place that bears the fruit of, of living in your authentic identity, which is what it sounds like you were doing, Rob. So the difference between telling yourself where you need to be and actually living it. Mm, yeah. Yes, that does make sense. Did you have a, you said there was a question. Do you, did you have a yeah. question in there? Or? Well, I guess the question is like, um, when, well, maybe not when, but what is the, what was the difference for you between those things? Like, can you remember um, a time where, maybe not a time, um, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what my question is around that. There's a difference between those two things. There is a and, difference. Yeah. And I, I don't, um, it's a really, I, I think that it's a really important difference. I just don't know. Yeah. I don't really know how to frame it. Yeah. <laughs> because, because for, so I guess part of the reason why I ask is, you know, like a lot of seminary is learning these new things about who God is and about who, who I am, who we are. Um, and trying to allow those things to become more deeply ingrained into us. And like, that's not just mental, that's not just theoretical or emotional, but it, it like it really truly physically enters into us. And that's not just a one and done process, but it takes a lot of asking Jesus for the help to remember and to be returned to an authentic identity. And, and so most, you know, most of seminary, most of formation is like reminding ourselves of the truths that we strive for 
in recognizing that we're not quite there yet. But that's a different place than just living in it, you know? And and it that part that kind of sounds like the grace of what you're talking about is like, dude, <laughs> I kind of I've been doing this and I've been letting Jesus's grace flood into my heart, and then I noticed that it's real, yes. and that it's and that I'm actually living there. Um, yeah. Well, and I I don't know what my question is around it, but can you just unpack that a little bit? Can you say more about that? Well, it is. It's funny that it, I guess, like in thinking about this example, is that it's like, um, it's kind of like delightfully surprising as well. Um, because it, it does, there's a certain aspect of even sharing it, there's a certain aspect that s- sounds silly of like, oh, like, I mean, the story is just so, like, kind of ordinary in a way. Um, but as I've just like, yeah, taken it to a little bit of prayer, it's like, but yeah, that, I don't know. That's just, of course, that's how like Jesus would come in and like, I don't like reveal himself in that way. That's not the right way to, um, to say it because it's like there's a sense of gratitude with it and it's in no way saying like oh look how much i've grown or anything like that it's like this surprise of like holy cow like all that stuff that we've talked about and yeah like been formed in and tried to podcast on for the last six years um of like no jesus actually loves you and and like wants to reveal to you like the father and like to let you know your identity as a place that like you can can live from totally in like the most mundane and ordinary places in your life it's like holy cow that's true does that i that's kind of like the the experience of it is like i believed it and that's why that that distinction that you're trying to make there, Mike, I think is really important of because it's not bad to try and like almost I, I mean, I, you could say like remind yourself of it, but sometimes it feels like talking yourself into it, you know, of like, hey, go back and like, who are you in whatever it is, like the most human of places, you know, like playing a bad round of golf or, or whatever it is. Um, but this experience was like just kind of out of nowhere and like surprising and like super simple, but like really, really important, um, somehow. So that's just me like talking there, trying to flesh it out. I don't know, but there's something there. You got any thoughts, Connor? Yeah, I think one of the things that I'm thinking about is sort of the opposite experience where you have um, you have something ordinary or that you take for granted part of your life that you are totally comfortable in and have all this confidence. And then all of a sudden, some experience or, or whatever. Have you ever had the experience where then um, it's kind of like the Ricky Bobby thing, like I don't know what to do with my hands. 
you know, <laughs> while, while he's on camera, like all of a sudden something very simple that you've never even really thought about, you psych yourself out about it. And you're like, what am, where am I supposed to put my hands, you know? Um, so something that you like, don't think is an issue, a personality thing or, a um, a place where you feel very much like self-sufficient, then you feel weak there. And that causes all sorts of questions that, that brings up the questions like, you know, sort of the opposite experience of you're missing the shot, which by the way, I'll just add that it's an, isn't the Greek hamartia for sin missing the mark like an archer. Yeah. I think that's kind of interestingly sacramental your, your example. But um, I'm just thinking of like all these places in our heart that we don't even know need that, that experience of like missing the mark, messing it up, but still being loved. And, um, because the, the whole, the whole point of it is like in the end to be a complete, like a whole person, like till we have faces to keep to have a face, to see face to face with Christ instead of this mask or persona where we think we've got it all together, but really we're just faking it, you know? And so what sucks is when you, when you're faking it person, uh, gets unmasked, you know, and that could be a, it could be a round of golf, you know, like if you never had problems, if you're just a good golfer naturally, and you never had the experience of having a bad round of golf, that is a very, it's mundane and kind of silly, but it is a very frustrating, mentally painful thing, especially if you expect to be doing well, and then you just can't, you know, like I sympathize with your story, Mike. Um, there's something about it where you're just like, my body won't do what I'm telling it to do. And I know I can do this. I've done it before and you just can't get it to go. Um, I mean, that, that sort of, that sort of experience, like, let's say a social interaction. Like I'm, I normally find this very easy to be at this, to be at a party and to, um, like meet strangers and stuff. But right now, like I can't do it. Like I feel totally like a fish out of water or what, whatever some experience like that where all of a sudden what is easy and natural is now completely foreign and hard. And, uh, like in that moment to invite in that truth about my identity, um, like nothing is too ordinary or too small. In fact, those are maybe the, the big things about life. Um, because those are the places where you need grace. You need it everywhere, but those are the places where you become aware of the fact that I am, um, utterly dependent, you know, um, and it gives, it gives, uh, mm. that whole lie gives way of like what Jesus really wants is for me to not need him. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, like if I just had it all together and never messed up, then I'd, then I'd be a saint. And that's, a I've total... never thought of it like that. I, I always tell myself, um, I want to be so su self-sufficient that I don't want Jesus, but I've never thought that Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, uh, he expects me to become self-sufficient someday. You know, it's like, oh, and now I'm not, I'm not living up to the expectation that Jesus has for me because I still need him. 
<laughs> which is totally the opposite. Right. Jesus is like, dude, you, you're never going to not need me. So rely I, I on me think, more. I do think that he wants us to be mature and free. Sure. You know, sure. like I, I think sometimes with but that's different than uh, self-sufficient. Absolutely. Absolutely. But like he wants us to, I don't know, like sometimes I feel like this has happened in my life and it's, and I've seen it in others where you're like, just tell me what to do. I'm, I'll only mess it up. I'm no good. Like I, I need a, an answer about like every little thing. Where does God want me to do this? What does God want me to do now? And, um, like, I do think what kind of what you're talking about, Rob, is like having experienced the grace of just an ordinary Christian life penetrate and suffuse into your life so much that like it's natural to live as if God is real and that he's your primary concern, you know? And so every little part of your life, you don't have to think about it. It's not like putting on a, a suit or a costume. It's just from the inside out. It's how you live. And so like, you don't need to ask God, what do I need to eat for breakfast today? What's your will, Lord? I just want to do whatever you want me to do. It's kind of like pick whatever you want, because right now you're in communion with Christ. And uh, it's not that he doesn't care. It's just that you are free. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But you still, you still utterly need him, but not in the sense that like, I can't do anything on my own. It's that you and he are one. Yeah. And, um, man, that's, I mean, that's deep stuff there. Um, but I would also say that like the kind of going back to that distinction that you were trying to flesh out, we're trying to flesh out too, of like, well, what's, when we're talking about an experience like this or anywhere else of like, um, hey, this isn't me trying to convince myself of this. This is an experience of it. Like, I do think there's, there's like a value in, um, it's almost like a discipline of, of reminding, because everyone relates to that. I certainly do, at least, of like, especially when you're like first hearing this stuff of like, identity stuff or like just i mean just the notion that like no aspect of your life is is too small for for grace to be present and penetrate into and there's there's something good about like playing a bad round of golf and having to like consciously remind yourself even if you don't feel it in the moment of like hey this doesn't um this is not like core to who I am. Like that's not a bad thing. It's just a different thing than what we're right. talking about. Um, right. And so maybe that, maybe that's the distinction there of like, like w- how do you know the line between maturity and self and like striving for self-sufficiency, which are different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I would, I would be curious t- to thoughts on, on that. Um, because Mm. in like the beauty of this moment that I described of like missing Mm. that deer, it was, it was just like, dang, it was easy. And like, um, even though, I mean, I was like ticked 
as well. I mean, I, I mean, like I said, I've been thinking about that shot a lot and like constant, I mean, just like pretty much looking up on how to improve and what happened and, and everything, but not in a way that's like in any way core to, um, to who I am. It's, it's like this, it's like this fun hobby and enjoyment of life that like Jesus is with me on that like we him and I can get can like practice bow shots again and we can do this and we can do that um Mm -hmm. to like get back out there um but anyway back to my like question there of like well yeah I mean what's the line then of like hey this is just me like acting maturely and knowing that I'm in my head a little bit and like reminding myself that like Hey, it's okay to have a bad round of golf. Um, versus like, nope, something just shifted and like I'm actually like off here and and like I am I shouldn't be taking it this hard. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And and I think like you're saying, is n- neither are bad. They're actually both a part of hopefully both a part of the the Christian life. One is is being disciplined into you. So it's like, okay, I, I, I believe that this is true. I'm not living from this place, but I want to choose to live as if this were real until it actually becomes integrated into my heart so that I can live that way. And yeah, I mean, Connor, I think you're, well, your insight, by the way, just a little, the little side note that you gave that that's a, a sacramental story, a sacramental image right there of missing the mark. But I think that's very cool. And my mind just kind of ran with that for quite a bit. Um, because missing the mark, your identity was not, was unfazed from you hamartiing, which is another word, you know, that's the word for sin. And you just got to talk to Jesus about it. And your identity was untouched by that. Like that, that that's, that's a very cool image. And that you were there with a little juice box. and the grace of that moment was probably recognized by him and he got to see what it looked like to live in the fruits of relationship with Christ and what that actually looks like even in the realm of hunting. Like that's, that's a real grace. God's mercy was actually present in that moment. Um, that's, that, that's just a tangent though. Um, Oh, poop. I can, uh, I can do a little, uh, off that tangent while you remember what you were going to say. Yeah, yeah, please, please. <laughs> it makes me sympathize that you missed the mark in front of Juicebox, who I'm sure admires you greatly. Because yesterday I was playing kickball <clears throat> with uh, <laughs> our students, and it was the last half inning, two outs. We were down by two, 10 to eight. And I'm up to bat with runners on first and third. And I see there's a vulnerability in right field. If I get it over the first baseman and second baseman, I can, uh, I might be able to get a, a home run here. So I, I kicked it perfectly. There were four police cops watching us, and I could hear them <laughs> impressed with my kick as I'm running. And uh, coming around third, and so the game is tied. It's 10 to 10, and I just got to get home. And I start, like, high-stepping. Like, I did it. We won this game. And I <laughs> feel my back foot get hit by the ball the first baseman this kid will absolutely lasered my back foot pegging me out as the third out but not only that 
it was my back foot as I was running and I stumbled and <laughs> fell at the at home plate, missing the plate and then laying on my back. And so it was just one of those moments where it didn't hit the core of my identity that like 15 of my college students who basically think I'm, I'm like the man, you know, <laughs> now see me laying on my back. <laughs> failed Dude, total hamartia moment right but then being like there that's that's grace where the grace that you've received from christ is able to be diffusive there and like people get to see what it looks like to live an authentic freedom right as you stumble on your face and lose the game for your team. That's okay. That's cool, yeah. though. Actually, that's it was a different totally... thing, though, dude. That's a big letdown. That's more Yeah, fun, that is I true. would say. Right. <laughs> no. I should definitely that, that... about that. <laughs> um, okay, I, I, remembered, I remembered the thing, and it's an image to maybe um, compare and portray these two different things that we're talking about. One is the disciplining of something that we believe to be as true, but w- w- there's like a part of us that isn't living there, doesn't doesn't believe it fully and then like what you're talking about this example of like that was easy and just kind of um living in the fruits of that relationship with christ and and recognizing his presence there and i actually got this image from uh, a gal that i do spiritual direction with and i i asked her permission because she said this is an image that she prays with and I was like, that's so good. And I need to steal that. Like people need to hear about this image. Um, so I asked her permission if I could use it at some point. And um, I, I've actually prayed with it before as well. But uh, around almost a, the exact same distinction, um, she talks about the experience of trying to live in authentic relationship with Christ. And then these times where she really does feel free in it. And the two different images that she used was when she feels free, it, she's a big C.S. Lewis fan. And in the last battle, as they run with Aslan um, into Narnia, what is it onward and up or upward or further up and further in further up and further in. Uh, we're going to go with onward and upward. <laughs> Excelsior. <laughs> yeah. And and there's the description of them just running full speed and and being fully alive and um, running faster, um, but also more deeply into this life that God has for them. And there's like just a total freedom and delight in this action of running with with Aslan into the goodness and and the fruit and the beauty of what God's created for them. And it's just total enjoyment like you're made to run and they're running and and they're and they're living into what they were created to be in absolute freedom and so she's like okay i and i and i feel that sometimes and i and we're sprinting with the lord and it's just like absolutely delightful um playing we're just playing but then at the same time there are other times when i'm doing the exact same action she's like i can feel that i'm running and i'm trying really hard but it feels like I'm on a hamster wheel and I'm like, I'm doing the same thing. So like I'm, I'm trying to tell myself of what these realities are and trying to live uh, in this way that I know I'm supposed to live, which is like running full speed. But I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm stuck or like I'm almost like I'm training. And although in a lot of ways the actions look the same, 
there's just a total different feel around it. One is like, she kind of feels, um, I don't know, but I don't know about stuck, but she feels like she's working so hard and she's not going anywhere, you know? And I, and I guess I feel like that many times as I'm trying to tell myself about this stuff, it's like, <laughs> I feel like I'm just stuck in a hamster wheel and like I'm, I'm running so hard and that's a different experience than those times where I, I do feel like I'm running freely with the Lord, even though in some ways they're so similar, like they're, they're actually the same action. Um, one is utterly delightful and the other one, it does feel like a type of training or discipline or, or, or maybe like I'm trying to work for something um, instead of receive what the Lord has to give me. Uh, so that those are the two images and they, I guess they've been helpful for me. The, the hamster wheel and the running into, into Narnia. Mm. Yeah. There's also, um, this could pivot that a little bit, but there's like this, um, I'm trying to, cause I do this and I hear other people do this a lot too of like, um, and I think this, at least for me, this has always been an area where like good spiritual direction has been so important. Um, but I think we can like easily fall into aspects where like, um, okay, like, yeah, life is not like a drudgery, but like, you know, hard to, um, like bring that that into like that image of Narnia of like the the further up and further in, um, whereas like then but then I'll describe but like yeah prayer prayer is really good like I I'm with Jesus in in prayer, um, and like I know this stuff about about the Father and I can I I'm reminded of this stuff when I pray you know which is um like like really good and and everything and um. But it, it always kind of comes down to then of like, I feel like um, I'm using a holy hour to like recharge batteries, which I would actually say like isn't exactly what what it should should be, at least in my understanding of it, of like, no, that that's the opportunity to um, like just be with the one who loves you the most. But I think that was like going back to that, I kind of shared that initial story of like the the guy who was directing me on that eight day the, earlier this year. I think that's why he honed in in a particular way on like me to because I described this this like prayer to him or or this like um yeah I mean and all it was was just using like like a basic relational prayer with Jesus to like invite Jesus into um, like some memories and relationships that, and it did, it kind of like came together in a really beautiful way. And then I remember telling him of like, yeah, and I, I, it's weird, but like, it's like it impacted me to where I played like maybe my best round of golf ever. Um, and it had nothing to do with the golf. My body just felt different because of like where I was in, like in this moment. And, um, and I just, I, I'll never forget him. Like, it, like saying to stay with that and to like go into that, um, 
deeper that like, no, this level of grace like impacts literally, it literally impacts us physically. And so anyway, I don't want to like go down that road too much, but just, just that notion of like, um, the distinction there that's been helpful to me of like, it kind of staying away from that notion of, oh yeah, like prayer, prayer is really good. And I'm like reminded myself of this stuff in prayer, but like, you know, life has been like, yeah, kind of, uh, mundane and blah, but like, you know, and not really like this stuff isn't present there. And it's like, no, if those two aren't coming together, then something's off there. And that's at least what like good direction has done for me is like, it makes me um, like, like realize how concrete this thing we call grace is in my life. And like, it shouldn't be surprising, but it is when it like invades a space of deer hunting. If I don't know if that, if I'm like hitting it there, but there is a notion of like, no, that's what, that's the spiritual life, man, of like this, like <laughs> deer hunting with my nephew, like that's the kingdom. Like that, that is the spiritual life lived out there. Um, and so it's this like, it, to me, like that's super encouraging and mysterious of, cause it, it's like this feeling at least of like, man, that's kind of silly and small and like, how can it be? But then at the same time, it's like, but of course it's there. Like it has to be, where else would it be? Um, this is deep stuff for first thing in the morning, but I think yeah. I'm about to go maybe out of my depths. But what I'm thinking of when you said recharging batteries, um, I, I think I, I hear what you're saying, which is that there should be like a unity of life. It's not like you're going out there into the world, into your daily life and getting drained all day. And then you go back to prayer in order to, to recharge. So you have more to, to get drained later, that there's a unity of it. Like you're being like, everything is sacramental. You're being fed and loved and loving as part of the kingdom of God in every aspect of your life. Um, but I do think that that I, I have definitely felt the <clears throat> relationship of recharging. Um, yeah. More kind of like what you're talking about too, Mike, with the bad round of golf where you're like trying to get the reality um, in while you're like not living in that reality. You know, you're trying to like impose it as something alien or foreign to the way you're normally seeing or being in the world. Um, and it, to me, it gets a little bit to the question of maturity versus self-reliance, self-sufficiency. Um, like if you came to a relationship, um, with a, with a human person and we're like, I need this person to cheer me up or make me feel better. You know, like sometimes in a friendship that's appropriate, but if you kept using a person like that, um, you think like this person is not a mature friend They like, you know, they don't understand the give and take of, uh, what it means to be a friend. And pretty soon, maybe, maybe you are superior to them in terms of your generosity. So you're like, okay, I'll, I'll let you kind of, um, instrumentalize me this way, but this is not a mature friendship. Um, 
it's it's hard to imagine this with God because he he's obviously infinitely superior to us, but the fact that he's invited us specifically with the word friend, like I know I no longer call you servants, but friends. There's a kind of equal pureness about that where somehow mysteriously we come into God's presence in the holy hour, not just to recharge us, <clears throat> but somehow to console the heart of Jesus. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Like St. Therese, this is where I'm totally out of my death because I've, I've never read the whole story of a soul, but another part where she says she volunteers as a victim of divine love. I mean, like the heart of Jesus has all this love to give and it's, it pains him. You know, he's wounded with this love for humanity and there's nowhere for the love to go because all the hearts are like turning away or they don't think they need it or whatever. So she volunteers like, I'll do it. I'll be the victim of divine love. Like whatever love is not being received in the world, give it to me and I'll receive it, you know? Um, And what that looks like obviously is for her to just be unconditionally loved by Jesus. But in a way it's appropriate that she's a victim as well because, and she does suffer in her body. But I imagine that that suffering in her body uh, is transformed by that, that spiritual reality that's going on um, in her heart and in her soul. That although, and this is where I don't think what you're saying, Rob, is health and wealth, because, you know, it could be that in your body you feel the grace of a great round of golf, but also it could be that next time you miss a shot or you have a bad round of golf, you also feel a certain peace or like charge in your body that, that makes that experience different, you know, um, because you're not alone. And I I think that's what, that's what's so scary. If you miss a free throw or you're like dying of cancer, whatever it is in your body where it's just like, I can't trust my body right now. It's, it's betraying me, but who, where is your trust? You know, um, and I think that like having grown that to me, that's what, what it would look like to be mature is to say like, God will show up for me. I, and I, I will show up for him. Like we're friends and I trust in that reality above all. Um, and I have not treated him like some super juice to get me through bad days. You know, there's a, there's a communion there that is just simply like, like an old marriage, you know? Or you just trust that this person is there, you know them, you recognize their voice. Um, I don't know, I just went totally uh, totally ham rambling, but does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I also I like thought it. of uh, Christ, uh, Christ falling three times. Um, you know, like this feeling of the grace in your body. There's something, there's something there too. And the fact that it's, it's insane and amazing that he was able to get to the top of Calvary, uh, with all that scourging, the way to the cross, um, like he, he both did fall three times showing his weakness, but also the immense strength and that confidence in the father to get to the top of the hill anyway, just to die, you know? to be nailed to the cross that that paradox of strength and weakness in that moment is kind of like maybe an image of what we're talking about when you Mm -hmm. really feel the grace all the way in there coming out of you in every aspect of your being is like, I'm not perfect. I 
this does not make me an X-Man, but I feel a strength that's deep down there from some well that's not from this world. And I can kind of do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for a while it was, I, I mean, I certainly used the holy hour um, with like the gas station image. Like, man, am I tired? Do I need to fill up on grace? Uh, and then you just sit in the holy hour. And I, I think that's how I, how I pictured it for a long time. But then it's like, hey, Jesus, I did all the things that you asked me to do. I'm, I got a full tank now. Now I shouldn't ever fall. Or now I shouldn't miss the free throw. Or now I shouldn't stumble and different things like that. Um, but it's become much more of a realization of like, oh, actually, that's not going to go away. And relationship with Christ doesn't make me a, a superhuman, perfect person. But it means that when I do fall, that it's okay because Christ is really truly there with me, which makes the whole experience of the fall completely different. And I, you know, fall can look like a lot of different things there, but um, living in a way that we experience our limitations <laughs> and it's like that's painful and it hurts why do i miss shots um why do i shank the golf ball like you know it, why can't i hit it into the stinking hole why can't i hit it straight and instead of saying oh yeah jesus help me to be perfect it's be with me regardless and I, it just changes the whole experience of the thing. It's just, it's playing a different game. One, you're out in an open field and the other one, you're, you're striving and you're training, you're on a hamster wheel, but you're not going anywhere, you know? Yeah. I was thinking there that the hamster wheel, that is a powerful, powerful image. I may add to it like, <clears throat> yeah, like a hamster wheel that like you have somehow like, you know, somehow like generates energy or electricity too. So it's like, Hey, I'll, I'll spin this for a while. And like, we'll just kind of, yeah, fill the tank here. Somehow, yeah. somehow spinning this hamster wheel is filling up the tank. Yeah. And you're right, man. Like that, the comparing it to that image of like the further up and further in, man, those are radically different things um, that are there. But also imagine that the hamster wheel is powering this energy tank that is also powering like a light bulb that, you're you're able to only see yourself don't don't being do it. in the wheel or in the field if you're running on the wheel but then also if you're not on the wheel then you're kind of in the dark and you have to trust i don't know just trying to just yeah <laughs> yeah just trying to, <laughs> all right let's okay, throw that in there let's throw that <laughs> extend the metaphor yeah. Okay. Yeah. um yeah. i kind of got to go hey wait which x-men would you be wolverine right. obviously the super healing oh, he's so mm. awesome dude Dang. What about you? Um, well, you kind of—you'd be, be the girl that throws playing cards or whatever. What is you that a girl? Like, is that no. a girl? It's a guy. His name uh, is oh, Gambit. 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 Yeah. What's the? Uh, no, I mean, Jubilee. Cool. Jubilee's who, whose power is like doing fireworks. What? <laughs> what does Jubilee do? I don't know. Why I'm do you? I'm gonna Google it. I was just thinking of the the X Men that to me has the lamest power, which I think is Jubilee. Um. Okay. Gambit is cool. What is? Yeah, Gambit, Gambit wears like a sweet coat and 
throws flaming yeah decks of cards at people blows them up cyclops. who's the woman that has telekinesis who's i think cyclops's wife what oh learn your, learn dr jean gray yeah yeah she's right. pretty cool too they call her the phoenix or something like that oh whoa i think i would be the juggernaut <laughs> yeah uh i'm looking is at ice man is ice man an x-men or no is that not a thing i don't know he might have a different name ice man does he shoot ice out of his hands well, that's what I was picturing. But as a mutant, Jubilee has the power to generate pyrotechnic energy plasmoids from her hands. Oh, she has referred to these blasts as fireworks. I man, I nailed that. <laughs> nailed it. That's right. Nailed it. I am. I basically, I am perfect. Boom, baby. That's, that's um, grace. Hey, you're okay. loved. Okay. It says here that Iceman is is a thing. That he's an X-Man? Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. Shoot ice out of your hands. Yeah. Be. I'm just thinking of the Incredibles guy. Frozone. Yeah. Is that his name? Oh, yeah. Frozone? Also, the Silver Surfer. Is that an ice person? Whoa. Ice I, whoa. I think that's. I think we're mixing worlds here. Mm. Is that Marvel and this is DC? I don't know. I... I I think we've all had that experience, though, when you're watching one of those superhero movies and everybody's got these cool powers, and then it's like, yeah, then Jubilee comes out, and everybody's like, oh, that would, that would suck. <laughs> like, oh, God. Why did you even get to be in the, there's in like the a, academy? Yeah, there's like a, a guy who makes sonar bat noises, and you're like, oh, that's awful. <laughs> There's like no advantages to that. Right. <laughs> I make bat sounds. Oh, God. I can talk to whales. Yeah. This guy has claws sticking out of his arms. And, and he has no like, one can kill him. He gets shot in the head and he immediately rejuvenates. And you make bat sounds? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Like, dude. Unfair. Man. God doesn't love you. He made you. He gave you bad noises, dude. Gosh. Oh, man. That's good. All right. I'm cutting it. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.